If we had an illustrated version of Luke's gospel, I'm pretty sure the picture would be he would have a glass of wine in one hand and be wiping bread from his beard with the other. In Luke's gospel, Jesus eats. He's always eating. Now, I've seen artwork, like the woodcut on the table, where Jesus is at a table, but he's always just at a table. He's not eating. And this is the picture in Luke's gospel. He's always eating. It's only a slight exaggeration to say that on nearly every page, he's either on his way to a meal, at a meal, or coming home from a meal. So we shouldn't be terribly surprised when Jesus, in Luke's gospel, sits down in the home of a Pharisee to eat, except... It's only in Luke's gospel that Jesus eats with Pharisees. And let's face it, most of us have trouble with Pharisees. It's it's in our training. In Sunday school and vacation Bible schools everywhere, the standard line goes like this. They were hypocrites, religious hypocrites. End of the story. Except it's a little more complicated than that. Actually, it's a lot more complicated than that. Amy Jill Levine, in her book, The Misunderstood Jew, probably one of the most important books in New Testament studies in a while, says that it is convenient that what Christians have done in order to make Jesus look good is to make the Jews look bad. Never mind the fact Jesus was a Jew. But what they do is we create these foils or these straw men out of the leaders of the Pharisaical party, out of the Sadducees, and and also that Jesus will look better. Jesus was most likely a member of the Pharisees. I'll let that sink in for a moment. (laughs) Jesus was most likely a member of the Pharisees because, as Levine and numbers of others have pointed out, the Pharisees were not a group that agreed on everything. In fact, there were two parties of Phariseeism by the time Jesus arrived on the scene. Both of them followers of two rabbis who had lived before the time of Jesus, and they sort of defined these two camps. There was the camp or the the philosophy, the school of Shammai, a very conservative rabbi who said, look, there, there are rules of keeping Sabbath, there are rules of keeping the commandments, and we have to keep them. And then there were the followers of Hillel who said, hey, look, I know it's the Sabbath, but it can't hurt to heal somebody. I mean, you you help an ox on the Sabbath. So what you get in the Gospels when Jesus encounters Pharisees is a kind of internal debate within these two schools of thought. Sometimes, rarely, but sometimes he sides with Shammai. Most of the time with Hillel. In this case, he's gone to a dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and it's pretty obvious he's a follower of Shammai. They have rules, they have protocols, and they're watching him. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to one of those kind of dinners, not necessarily in the home of a Pharisee, but you know where you were not supposed to mess up. I went through doctoral studies with a friend named John, and one summer he did university studies in one of the British systems of Oxford, Cambridge, and he learned on the first night that he would be robing and processing into the banquet hall, and he would sit at the place of honor, this grand hall of wood floors and wooden walls, and there up on the platform at a raised table, he would be there with guest of honor. And he 
managed for the most part. I mean, he didn't pick up the wrong fork. He didn't put his elbows on the table and all of that, except when they brought dessert, which he described as some kind of like eclair. He took his fork and tried to cut into the middle of it, and it shot off, (laughs) not of just his plate, off of the table and went sliding across the floor and banged against the wall, and everybody was looking at him. That's kind of what's going on here. Everybody is watching Jesus. Will he keep the Sabbath protocols? But Jesus is watching this this man who's suffering from a disease. And, you know, he gives the little quiz, is it lawful? And there's just silence. So he heals him. He heals him. And then, if that weren't bad enough, he starts picking on the other guests. I notice how you make your way to the places of honor. Kind of like Christians at a potluck, you know, who sneak up near the front so that when the minister's through praying, oh, look, look where we are. We're at the front of the line. <laughs> and Jesus says, yeah, that's, not, that's not the way you do it. You go to the back of the line. That's what Christians do. You go to the back of the line, and, and if they want to bring you up, well, then that's great. About this time, you, you can imagine they're wondering, who invited this guy? Who's, whose idea was that? Then he starts picking on the host. I noticed your guest list. It's all your cronies, people who voted like you, people who are in your same club. You you know what you should do when you have a party? You should invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. And it's got to be just awkward silence. Have you been to these moments? You know, it's just, I I picture everybody kind of looking down swirling the wine in their glass, maybe, hoping the moment will pass. It's the kind of moment when someone usually says, sure has been crazy weather lately. (laughs) Yeah, crazy. I know, crazy. Yeah, that weather, man, it's just been crazy. But it's just silence. And then finally one of them, almost as if proposing a toast, he says, blessed is the one who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Oh my gosh, who thinks to say things like that? That is brilliant. I mean, everybody's ooing and aahing. What a great moment. I wish I had thought of that. Blessed is everyone who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. It's the kind of thing you could frame it, put it on the wall of your dining room. Go on Etsy or Pinterest. See if you can find it. Blessed is the one who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Except Jesus opens his mouth again and says, Well, you know... And they all cringe, except finally he tells a really good story. He says there was this guy having a big banquet, and he invited people, and they said, yeah, yeah, we'll be there. But then as it got closer, they started making excuses. So the host says, well, then go out and find the crippled and the blind and the lame. We already did that. There's still room. Well, then go out there and invite everyone in because... Everyone will be in except those who turn down the invitation. They'll be cast out. What's really shocking here, among many things shocking, is that the meal stories in Luke's gospel are a kind of foreshadowing of this one. People drawing lines, people coming in, and other people being out. When I was in seminary, I remember reading this modern version of this parable about a businessman named Stephen 
who's got his life together. In fact, that's what he thinks life's about. You just, you just pull your weight, you do the right thing, and that's the way it works. He, he comes home every day, this is his routine. He puts his briefcase in the hall closet, except on this particular day. The closet floor is a shambles, he can't get it in there. And even when he does, he tries to close the door, somebody's coat is bulging out. I mean, how hard can it be to just do the right thing, he thinks to himself. This is how he lives. He goes upstairs to change, can't figure out where's Gloria, April, where, where'd they go? Probably shopping, they're always shopping. Her blouse is hanging on a chair, he can't figure out why can't she hang that up. It looks like burglars have attacked. Why can't everything just be nice and neat? He, he remembers there are bills coming, there was a plumbing thing last week, and, you know, pledge cards due at the church. All you have to do is pull your weight. Do the right thing. He goes downstairs. He's a, he's a kind of 5.30 nightly news guy. And, well, he goes through the kitchen to grab a snack, tries to ignore the dirty dishes, and then he sees the note on the refrigerator. Stephen, you missed April's birthday party last year. We waited till 4.30 and then had to leave. Don't miss it again this year. And he remembers how at breakfast she had said, Daddy, you'll be there tonight, right? And he'd given her a big hug, the best of intentions. But the clock reads 5.45 p.m. And somewhere inside of his soul, Stephen hears a door slam. The kind you see in great banquet halls. In this parable... Those who were inside are out, and the outsiders are in. In fact, I have to say, that's why most of us like Luke. He's, he's progressive. He's got this inclusive worldview. Let's bring in the crippled and the lame and the blind. Let's make room for everyone at the table, except that's not exactly how he tells it. Luke makes room for the outcast, but he always has to kick somebody out. Did you notice? Yeah, the crippled and the lame, bring them in off the street. But those who are invited, they're, they're out. Luke does this all the time. Rich man and Lazarus. Beggar at the feet of, of the rich man there in front of his door. And when the beggar dies, he goes to the bosom of Abraham. And well, too bad, rich guy, you're out of here. Why can't there be, in this inclusive worldview, room for everyone? This past Wednesday night, doing a midweek Lenten study at a church, they told me, come early, we have soup and salad. Oh, that's fine with me, soup and salad, sounds good. We did a study together, it was on this meal. And they got to talking. And they had a list. Well, children shouldn't, and if you're not baptized, you shouldn't, and if you're not good standing, you shouldn't. The way they had it figured... Anybody, anybody could eat soup and salad with them, just not bread and wine. Some of you know Cindy Molina, disciples minister here in town. She taught for years at Notre Dame de Sion, taught theology, Catholic school, but not all Catholic girls, some Protestants and some of other faiths who know it's just a really good school, prep school, 
And so Cindy tells about a time when a group of sophomore girls were getting ready for communion at an all-school mass, and it was her job to explain how it was going to work and all of that. And these girls, they'd been waiting. Well, there was this one girl in her class, a Hindu, and she said, I don't understand why I can't take. Well, the girls were like, are you kidding? (laughs) This is not a mystery. You're not a Christian, and you're not Catholic. This is the way it works. And she said, well, I just feel like an outsider. So they all traipsed down there. They go to the all-school mass. And Cindy said she wasn't surprised when the Hindu girl got up and went forward. But, oh, my gosh, did it hit the fan when they got back to the classroom. Those girls were up in arms. What are you going to do? What are you going to say to her? She said, there will be no thunderclap of judgment. We will leave this up to Jesus. Well, it's one thing to leave it up to Jesus, but what happened was they went and told their parents. And they called, and Cindy said, come and see for yourself. And the parents came, and they agreed that their daughters were getting the kind of religious education they wanted them to have, the kind where they would decide for themselves who's in, who's out. It's true that in Luke's gospel, Jesus eats a lot. I suspect he's patting his tummy a lot. he, He definitely eats often, almost every page. But the real scandal is not how often or how much he eats. The real scandal in Luke's gospel is who he eats with. In a word, everyone, anyone. I mean, I don't know if he preferred figs over hummus, but he has no discrimination when it comes to the guest list. He'll he'll eat with anybody. He goes to eat with the Pharisees. He goes to eat with the tax collectors, even though I suspect both of them couldn't figure out why is he eating with them. That's the real scandal. Jesus eats with everyone. So it wouldn't surprise me if when we all get to that great heavenly banquet, you know, the one where the table just stretches on to eternity, it would not surprise me if while we're at that table, we look over and there on the wall it says, Blessed is everyone who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God.